Team, welcome to another edition of the Reactive Dog Training Podcast. Today I'm joined by Natalie Jade Smith of Quality Canines and we're going to be discussing rescue dogs and how we can ensure them coming into your life and your home goes as smoothly as possible. So I am super pumped to be joined by the wonderful Natalie from Quality Canines. Natalie, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Absolutely great. Good, good stuff. Um, so I wanted to talk to you today. Obviously, we've connected quite recently doing a kind of interview thing for the Pet Professional Network. Um, and one of the things I really liked about you and one of the conversations we had during that interview uh, were about rescue dogs. And I yeah. thought starting this podcast, talking about anxiety, reactivity in dogs, um, rescue dogs can certainly have those things. And I yeah. think there are certain perceptions of rescue dogs and certain perceptions of what aggression, I'm using air quotes, don't know why, you can't see, um, are <laughs> what that means. And I thought we could kind of dive into that today. But before we go really in depth, um, talk a little bit about quality canines, talk a little bit about yourself, give it the hard sell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> no pressure. No. <laughs> uh, so quality canines is run just by me. I'm the only trainer there at the moment. Um, I specialise in working with aggressive and reactive dogs, so ideal for this podcast. Um, I did a degree in animal behaviour and training, and then from that I went straight into working in a rescue. Um, and then um, from working with the rescues and getting to know all the behaviours, I kind of progressed into becoming a trainer and behaviourist. So I've got a lot of that practical experience. Um, recently won Dog Trainer of the, of the Year. Um, by the School of Canine Science, which was absolutely epic, um, blew me away. Um, and again, that was with Rescue Dog. So that was just amazing to win and amazing to completely transform some dogs' lives as well, um, because they got more attention than what probably they would they would normally get. So yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, yeah, and I just kind of spend my day to day life um, just helping dog owners understand their dogs a bit more uh, and just ironing out some of those problems that they're experiencing just so they can live a little bit happier so happier owner is a happier dog so happy trainer <laughs> basically absolutely and I think you know one of the reasons I wanted you for rescue dogs is obviously you have that background working in rescue before we dive into um the the specifics of kind of how dogs communicate and we talk about actually bringing a rescue dog home um, yeah. From the perspective of someone who's worked in a rescue and who has trained dogs in a rescue, what is kind of one thing that people used to maybe come in and do or come in and ask, or even something that you could see perhaps developing that you wish other owners either would not do or would be more aware of? Um, probably when they go and choose the dog. Um, a lot of it is unfortunately based on what the dog looks like. So they're not always yeah. considering... Um, you know the actual temperament of the dog mm -hmm. but also as well um the behavior that's presented in rescue centers is often very different to what might be presented at home so it's being aware that things might change from the rescue to getting the dog home um and also um the rescue i worked in was a phenomenal rescue center and we were very open and honest about the behaviors that the dogs had done uh, and if we knew the history we were very honest about that uh, and a lot of people didn't take us seriously um, and just thought, oh, no, they'll be fine with us because we're saving them. Um, but actually, you know, some dogs do come with baggage. But then yeah. on the other flip side, there's rescue dogs out there that are rescues 
for really unfortunate circumstances maybe the owners died or you know um, some people have had to move abroad so they can't take the dogs with them and there are genuinely really really lovely um family dogs out there because some people i speak to them like oh we're going to get a puppy because it's a safer option is that well actually no because there's dogs out there that are house trained and you know obedience trained they're super sociable you know you can actually get an amazing rescue dog so i'd say you know and when you're picking a rescue dog don't just go on the looks but do a bit of research into the rescue and the different types of dogs there because you come away a bit more open-minded about what dog might be suitable for you and I, I think, you know, um, one of the big things that I see sometimes is that, you know, the, the, the behavioral assessments at rescues, right, uh, mm -hmm. are phenomenal. And I know some fantastic people who work in rescue who are so thorough with it and they've so pinpoint. But obviously, as you touched on, a dog in a rescue is going to be different from a dog in a home. Sometimes, as I'm sure you've seen with your rescue work, going from the uh, kind of kennels at a rescue to a home, immediately a massive positive change. Yeah, and everything's yeah. good. However, we can also have the flip side of that, where a dog goes from rescue, goes into the home. And I'd be really curious to your thoughts on this. In my opinion, it takes a good um, two to three weeks for a dog to settle in in a new home. Yeah. And I base that not off rescue dogs. I used to do work with assistance dogs. And we used to have, um, we used to have a program, which I wasn't a big fan of where the dogs would go away for a weekend and then come back to the training center as yep. opposed to just going for a few weeks, getting settled, those people doing the training and the dogs that did go and do that, you know, they showed more actual natural behavior. Um, do you think that the first few weeks of bringing that dog home, you know, they're, they're often quite withdrawn um and you can get two flips so you can get you know this dog that's showing no behavioral signs like all these things that you warned at this dog is just amazing really quiet and then as they get their sort of feet under the table shall we say things start coming out but then you've got the other side of it that some dogs you know it's such a massive change they're super stressed so then they might do a lot of things um, out of the stress of the new environment that they wouldn't normally do in a few weeks time so i kind of call it the honeymoon period because i do find actually you get more of um the dog being super sweet and no problems whatsoever more than the stress i find that the stress and the undesirable behaviors tend to come out afterwards now i do actually think that that is because the dog is so overwhelmed that they've kind of shut down a little bit sure. um, and they don't trust the people so they're a bit like well if i keep myself quiet then i'm keeping myself safe and then as they start trusting the environment trusting the people they feel brave enough to show their true colors sure. so i do find that happens a lot and i used to call it the honeymoon period and when i used to do like um adoption so i used to adopt the dogs out i used to warn them and say look you're gonna get a honeymoon period this is all gonna be great and then it's gonna fall apart just be ready for that um and we just used to support them through it and um, so it's definitely something that people need to be aware of that the first few weeks don't really count either way you're either going to get a super good dog or a dog that's really going to show some uh, horrific behaviors but it's not actually the true dog it's just the stress yeah and i, I think uh, you know as well uh, talking obviously we've talked about it from a negative point of view as in a dog being maybe seemingly confident and comfortable and we'll come to that in a second as well uh, and then maybe showing some behavioral issues but it's the same way you can bring home a dog that is really quiet and sweet uh, and kind of everything and then by week three they are charging around the house and they're super energetic yeah. and they're super excitable yeah. and stuff and you know that that is the honeymoon period i think there's a phenomenal yeah. analogy that i've definitely yeah. said because it's accurate it is that honeymoon period yeah um so 
Uh, obviously, our listeners are going to be at different stages with the rescue dogs. They might be thinking of getting a rescue dog. They might have just brought one home um, or they might have had a rescue dog for a little while. Um, Tackling someone who has just brought their rescue dog home. We're going through that honeymoon period. We know yeah. that changes are going to occur, whether it's positive or negative. What would you be doing personally in those two to three weeks? Or what would you not be doing as well? Okay, so I would mainly be doing not a lot. Sure. Um, so I would bring the dog home and I tend to, um, if I bring a dog home, I try and like introduce them to the household slowly. So literally room by room. So I might introduce them to one room, um, even for a day, maybe two days, depending on the dog, and let them get used to that area and then start slowly letting them have more space so they can explore. Um, gardens obviously one that I do let them explore because obviously that's their toilet place so the first few days I don't do much I just um, I just want the dog to know that I'm not going to put any pressure on them um, I want that trust to be built because I'm, I'm completely respecting their personal space um, so that they're just generally getting to know me from a distance um, so that's kind of my first few days um, and then I'll probably do some really simple things like maybe a bit of hand feeding so um, I might get them to not even work for it so it's just literally just feeding them for free you know look how nice I have feeding lots of food and maybe play a few games with those foods um, if they're not foody because some some rescue dogs you're going to get they're not going to want to eat from you you know they're not going to want to play with you I just hang out with them in the room and again, not do anything, just sit in there and be really quiet, you know, let them come up to you and sniff you if they want to. Um, but I would say definitely respect them. Um, it's a big overwhelming place and I think we need to sometimes put um, a person in that dog's position. So if you were to, you know, be plonked in a room where you didn't know anybody, you don't want people like I don't know, stroking your hair and, you know, getting in your personal space. That's not what we want. Um, that'd be very weird. Um, and it's the same for the dogs. They need to get to know that person first before they start, you know, wanting cuddles and manhandling. So I don't actually do a lot. And I, I'd be, depending on the dog, I'd be quite reluctant to even take the dog for a walk in the first few days because I actually want some sort of trust there because if something goes wrong on that walk, I don't want them just turning around and legging it away from me or trying to escape me. So my, my sort of theory is if hopefully if they've got a little bit of trust and know that I'm okay, they're not going to want to escape me too much if anything happens outside. Um, so that's kind of the first thing. Um, and then after sort of a few days of them settling in, um, I would probably do just lots of um, games and stuff. So um, just getting them to follow you for treats. Um, I do like a little follow me exercise usually in the garden where I'll just drop treats behind me. So as they're following me, they can just keep finding these treats. So they get all the sort of confidence in the fact that they get to follow me. I'm not following them. But in the process of following me around, they get lots of good stuff. So that's probably one of my favourite games to play with. I even play it with puppies, um, just so they get the idea of just following me is really, really positive. Um, so all everything I do in the, probably the first week is very hands-off um, and just getting to know them. Um, and I'm very careful um, about how I'm like putting leads on and things. Um, if it's a dog that's super nervous, I would actually get a house line um, and leave that um, attached to their collar when you're with them. So that if you need to take them out, you can just pick up the line, you're not having to grab their collar or anything intrusive like that. So I'm just really super slow with them in the first week really and, and doing not a lot, just getting to know them. I mean, I'm so glad you brought up the walking thing because that was something I, I wanted to talk to you about as well. I think that 
you know, naturally, of course, when you bring a dog home, puppy rescue, whatever, we get so excited, right? We're like, yeah, yeah. we've got a new dog. Uh, but the expectation is that we can just plonk the dog down into the environment and we will make, we will be accepting of certain things. But I also think it, as people will be less accepting of others. And I think that it, uh, you know, I, I talk about it a lot. I tell all my students, fast is slow and slow is fast. And I think mm. when you are introducing a dog into a new environment, I mean, all the different things, we, we, as, we as people, we don't think about what dogs are processing nearly as yeah. much as we should. And if you think about it, you've brought your dog into a new home with new smells, maybe lots of different people living in the household, maybe even different dogs, um, completely different environment to where they were in the kennels, different walks, all these different things. And we kind of expect the dogs to be able to cope with them. And I think that you're completely right. And I love the fact that you let them explore kind of room by room and you're quite systematic with it. Because I think if, if our owners, and for you guys listening, I think if you did that with your dogs and really took things slowly, and relationships take time to build. You know, it's not an overnight thing. And if you do these little relationship things over those two or three weeks, uh, like Natalie was saying, I think you, I think you will see massive, massive benefits. Uh, so let's try not to rush anything as much as possible. Um, yeah. But in those two or three weeks, stuff happens, right? Um, maybe um, the dog has begun to display some aggressive behaviours. Maybe they've had a little growl at the children, or maybe they're a bit uncomfortable with it with a re another resident dog, um, or maybe you know they're a bit uncomfortable being left alone or things like that. Um, going, going to more of an aggression standpoint, so somewhat, you know, the, maybe the dog has growled when you've tried to grab them, or maybe the dog is growling when you come in their space, or maybe they're just a little bit spooked by someone coming through the front door. I know this, uh, because back before I was a dog trainer, I used to be the exact same thing with dogs that were aggressive. You get very, very uncomfortable, and you go, oh, hang on a minute, I'm quite unsure, and you, we, we view it differently. What would you say to someone who has just come to you, as I'm sure they do a lot with your business, and gone, We've got a rescue dog, been here a few weeks. The dog's just growled at me or my kids or my other dog. I'm freaking out. What would you say to them? So I would say, don't panic. <laughs> Do not panic. Um, because that is the natural reaction that people have. Um, the dog growling is any form of aggression. So even if, you know, they're full on snarling at you, it is a form of communication to the dog. So they're trying to put out a message to say, stop what you're doing, I don't like that. Um, so the first thing they need to do is listen to the dog. That is the, my biggest advice is listen, do not keep going towards them. If they're growling at you, they're trying to say, stop what you're doing, I don't like it. So that's the best thing you can do in that moment is leave them be. So if they've growled at you because you've entered the space, just leave the room, just walk away and leave the room because there's no point of trying to pursue it. Um, and a lot of people obviously get um, quite nervous and fearful in that situation and can tell the dog off um, because that might stop the growling. But actually, you're just adding more um, sort of negativity to the situation. So it can actually escalate the aggression. Uh, and that's not what we, we want to do in this situation. And we want, we want the dog to feel safe enough to not show the aggression. So 100% listen. Um, from a sort of a trainer's perspective, I would love it if they could make leave the room and then jot down what happened and go, right, this is what we were doing beforehand. Um, this is what we were doing when the dog started displaying the aggression and this is what we did afterwards and this is how the dog responded. If they could write those four things down for me, I would love them forever <laughs> because that gives me a real nice big picture of actually what's happened. 
have is I would then ask them lots of extra questions. But from that, I would definitely say to them, um, they need to get some advice. So they definitely need to seek some professional advice um, because you don't want it to you know be brushed under the carpet and then it come out at a later date now it could just be they're uncomfortable they don't quite trust you you've been a bit inappropriate too soon um and they're trying to warn you off a little bit um and with a bit of relationship building it may not happen again but if you seek the advice um we can pinpoint um what's caused that bit of aggression we can give some real super easy like tips to implement and then it, it's, it might be gone um, and we're kind of guaranteeing that it's not going to happen again rather than just ignoring it and then it potentially escalating. So I definitely wouldn't panic, but um, they do need to be aware of it and just respect the dog when it is displaying those um, signs of aggression um, because it very much is just a form of communication to say, you know, please stop back off um, and if for us if uh, i'm petrified of needles um, so if someone came to me all of a sudden with a needle you know and someone it sounds crazy but someone did actually do this to me and they're talking about acupuncture and they just came towards me with a needle just showing me and i completely freaked out i was like whoa, whoa whoa go away you know that is literally like a dog growling and barking you know and I, they completely apologized profusely that they, they were really like they felt awful that they'd scared me so much but yet when a dog growls and barks and things like that, we don't, we forget that they're coming from an emotional place, you know, and I, it's very rare. I see an owner or even, you know, a trainer to go, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to make you that upset to a dog. We just go, oh, you know, they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't be growling at me. But actually it is just, like I said, a form of communication. Um, so 100% listen to your dog. I mean, uh, you know, touching on what you're saying, behavior is just communication. It's also information. You know, your yes. dog is just letting you know that in that circumstance, whatever that is, they're uncomfortable. And as you say, um, it, building trust is hard. I think building trust isn't a short process. It's a long term one, as you know. And I think that trying to build trust isn't looking because, as you said, you know, I think as well, we can get a little bit defensive, right? We go in, we've rescued this dog. And this dog is now growling and you can go, well, no, hang on a minute. I brought you into my home, blah, blah. And that's definitely the wrong mindset to, to kind of attack it with. Because at the end of the day, dogs probably scared, anxious, unsure. Um, and we don't want to make that worse. We want to take a step away ourselves and go, whoa, okay. You know what? That's a learning experience for us. Let's not push it. Let's not escalate it. Uh, because escalating it, if we don't respect the dog, that, that trust is broken even more than pushing that situation might have been or that pushing that situation could lead to that trust being broken in the long run and that's a lot harder to work on off the top of your head i'm going to put you on the spot now what okay. would you say um with your clientele are the top three to four things that your clientele bring you when they've had that rescue dog for two or three weeks that honeymoon period is over what type of things are their dogs doing uh usually um sort of most common is reactivity so we get a lot of reactivity um on the streets and to people coming into the house um so they kind of get quite bonded with the owners and then anybody else coming in is really scary um so definitely reactivity um destructiveness tends to be one um and i say destructiveness i say a lot of puppy behaviors sometimes so you know destructiveness toilet training you know everything that comes to the puppy i do find that you know some of these poor old dogs they all of a sudden get an opportunity to live their puppy life and they're like well hey um, they get a bit carried away so you you tend to have to go through some basics of you know how to train him 
So that'd be my second one is house training. Uh, my third one, uh, probably things um, like the dog not listening. Um, so they just realised the dog's got no obedience whatsoever, you know, it's not coming back to them, um, you know, pulling like mad and just generally just not listening. Um, and probably the fourth one is um, out and about, they're, they're running off and things like that. So they've, they've let the dog off lead probably too soon um, and the dogs just go off. Um, and a lot of dogs, and particularly dogs that have come maybe from abroad, um, they've had no reason to rely on people and have that bond. So just because we've had them for three weeks, you know, it doesn't change that. And so they are quite independent dogs, some rescue dogs. So it takes a lot to start going, actually, you need to listen to me now for your own safety. <laughs> we need to be a team. Um, so that's probably my four. So um, I, I think it was reactivity, um, like house training, um, I, like just getting them to generally focus. Um, and then like some basic obedience problems. They're probably my, my main four. That's completely fair enough. And those are the things that I kind of see as well. Um, I want to kind of pick your brains a little bit on the, the topic of puppyish behavior uh, yeah. with, with rescue dogs, because I think that's a really interesting thing that uh, people don't talk about enough. Um, when I, I'm working or I did a bit of work with a, a Romanian rescue, and one of the things that that working with her taught me was that actually when dogs showcase behavior um, when they haven't before i think that's really beautiful i think sometimes the problems that develop in a very odd way and i'm not saying problems that are really really stressing your dog out but in a way it is nice that your dog feels comfortable enough to display those things um and the reason i bring it up with that romanian rescue dog is that um she was very very shut down for the first few and she was happy but she wasn't doing anything she'd kind yeah. of potter around as you say kind of like a shadow almost yeah. follow her owner very quiet um and they were doing a little bit of training one day and i get a i get a video uh and i think it was about eight o'clock at night saying look and i opened the video up um and the, the rescue dog was just humping her owner's leg <laughs> and you might go well why is that right what <laughs> but it's the behavior that she's come she was so excited about oh, training yeah. that she started displaying that behavior and i think you know maybe that's not the behavior we want to continue happening as we go along but the fact that she was comfortable enough to display that behavior was such a massive turning point for their relationship you know her owner was over the moon because she was like <laughs> she's showing me behavior and i was like it's an interesting yeah. behavior to show but it is still show doing something yeah. so ev even if your dog is showing behaviors that look we don't want um and that we want to kind of modify and aren't ideal um when they start showing those behaviors i would take that as a sign that you know what they're comfortable they're comfortable enough yeah. to go go to that first You're talking about growling again as well um we don't want to be growled at as people, not really top of my list. Um, no. But I would much rather a dog growl than bite. And I think yeah, and it's interesting you should say that because you can get it so that, um, and I have warned people about this is these shut down dogs that are really quiet and you know, they're so scared. A side effect of their confidence is growling and barking. Yeah. Yeah. Even that can be a super positive of yeah. actually, they're feeling good. They actually, feel so positive that they've got a voice now yeah. so yeah it looks worse than the sulking away in the corner but actually it's not it, it's a little bit more they've got a bit of bravery now we just need to make sure that we 
get them so brave that they don't feel the need to growl. <laughs> That's what we need to do. What they're doing there um, is they are opening up communication. And they're saying, I'm ready to talk with you now. And it might be in a way that we don't quite understand at first and go, ooh, but I would, uh, you know, and I think you would agree with me. Um, I would much rather a dog growled at me and I knew there was communication going on than have yes. no communication. Yes. And then we run into a really, really serious issue. Nat, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast with us. I think this has been such an interesting topic to dive in. I've got so many other questions and we could go down so many other avenues. And um, we'll definitely have to do that in the future. But really quickly, before we finish off, um, please let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Cool. So I've got a Facebook page called Quality Canines. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well for Quality Canines. Uh, I've just set up a YouTube channel. Um, I'll post the link on my Facebook um, page because the life of me, can I, do I know the link? Because it's uh, loads <laughs> of numbers. Uh, so I imagine if you search like Quality Canines, you'd probably find me on YouTube. That's super new. I've only just started that. Uh, and my website is www.qualitycanines.co.uk um, and I'm more than happy to answer sort of questions and things like that. So if I've said anything today that people want more information on, uh, yeah, they can send me a message and I'm more than happy to get back to them. Fantastic. Natalie, thank you so, so much for joining me today. And I can't wait to have you back again so we can dive awesome. even deeper into the topic of rescue dogs. Thank you very, very much and have a good day. You too. Team, I hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Reactive Dog Training Podcast. If you want to find out more information on me, you can find me on Facebook at Make Your Mark Dog Training and Behaviour or Jack Fenton Dash Make Your Mark. You can find me on Instagram at Make Your Mark Dogs. You can find my website at mymdogs.co.uk and my email is mymdogs at gmail.com. Team, thank you so much and I'll chat with you again soon. Bye bye.